Let's go. Dermot and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> It's been 40 years since George Michael and Andrew Ridgely, a.k.a. Wham, burst onto the scene in a flurry of colour and short shorts. <laughs> Over four years, they sold 30 million records and became cultural icons. Now their story is being told in a brand new documentary. It's excellent. Chris Smith is the director. He's on the line now. Good morning, Chris. Very good. How are you? Real pleasure to talk to you. We're big fans of your work. Um, not, oh, o- not only uh, this Wham documentary... Uh, but also, I know the fire documentary, which caught the whole world's imagination as well. Yeah, thank you. But I want to thank you for this one in particular, because Wham! was my band when I was 12. I had the badges, <laughs> I had the posters, I used to go home at lunchtime from my school, and myself and my friend, who I won't name and shame, uh, but we would uh, sing along with the l- lyrics from the LP to the, as many Wham! songs as we could, and then we would go back to school. I'd love to say how I was beaten up, I will never know, but actually I was beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, But they were just an iconic band of the 80s. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were aware of their music, of the music videos, the way they sort of presented themselves, but I you know, for me, at least personally, I knew nothing about the story behind the music, you know. Mm. One of the things that stuck out to me, um, and it's something you kind of know in the back of your head, but you don't really realize it until you see the documentary that you've made, is that Wham! existed for four years. Like, we're still talking about them, you know, 30 odd years later, and they're still one of the most important bands around 40 odd years later. But they yeah. literally were big from 1982 until 1986. And that's it. I mean, what's crazy is I think that they felt like they'd become too old uh, to be in this band anymore. And then yeah. you find out that they were 23. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 their, their own image of themselves was so youthful in terms of what Wham! stood for. And as George kind of emerged from Wham! and wanted to take the career, uh, you know, into the solo stuff, and, and that's laid out beautifully in the documentary, you realise that actually they were probably right. Like if Wham! in your 30s or even in your late 20s is possibly not going to sit right with the audience. Yeah, the fact that they understood that is incredible because I think so many people would drive it into the ground and I think that they realized that it was all about exuberance and youth and vitality and that, you know, that it had a lifespan. And, um, you know, they, they both speak so eloquently about that understanding and that they understood what it was and that it had a time and a place. But it, I, I feel like usually success will override that sort of thinking and people will sort of recalibrate based on, you know, that there's more money to be made. Or, yeah. But, you know, I think that they're both really appreciative and happy for the time that it existed and understood that it, there was a time for it to end. And where did you get the voiceover that we get from George? Because it makes sense that Andrew can still today talk about all this but I mean George passed away seven years ago so sadly um, so how do you how did you go about compiling what seems like something that George is talking over yesterday or even as you're watching it, it it's just such an amazing um, piece of audio to have well whenever you start a project like this you pull in everything in, that you can find related to the subject so in that process we went to the George Michael estate. We went to Andrew and his family and we were able to sort of collect all this material. And in that were these sit-down interviews that George had done um, with different people over the years. And and, and largely from that, we were able to extract sort of uh, 
you know, this retelling of his experience in Wham. Yeah, and there are some gems in there. You've obviously got access to some really cool stuff, including, I believe, some of Andrew's original demos and tapes and things. And I was unaware that they were in a band before Wham, um, and they weren't very good. We started a band when we were both about 16. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It was ska music. And we were terrible, basically. Uh, we weren't bad for 16. Yeah, the five of us just about covered everything that we needed instrument-wise. Come back, Andrew. Come back. Fizzled out after a year as people didn't turn up for practices or <laughs> concerts or whatever. And that just left me and Yog. It was just going to be us two. And we would just carry on writing songs together. We should say, of course, that uh, Andrew has a lovely name for George. He calls him throughout the documentary, which is Yog, which I guess is the kind of Greek pronunciation of his first name, Georgios, we would say, but Yorios or whatever, and he kind of turned it into Yog, and Yog is mentioned the whole way through. But they were a ska band, Chris. Yeah. I think they had differing uh, uh, reflections on the quality of the music, but thankfully it imploded, and... uh, you know, they were left with each other and, and continued to make music. What was your impression of, you know, looking in, I guess, with fresh eyes on, on as you say, this act that you, you didn't know intimately? Um, what was it like looking at the life of George Michael and his journey from coming out as gay and, and trying to manoeuvre his way through a music industry that wasn't very open to that at the time? Um, what was your impression of how he navigated those areas? You know, as someone who grew up in that time period, I think it was very different than it is today. And I think for a younger audience, it might seem very strange, you know, mm. this idea of um, of like, you know, but I, but I think that uh, Andrew and George and Shirley all talk about this moment where they had a discussion and it was like really boiled down to like not wanting to tell his father, you know. And so to me, there was something very relatable about that. But I think it was interesting to look at that once they made the, the decision to not go public with it, the band sort of like took off in this way and they become these sort of sex symbols where I felt like that he articulates very well that he it, it, it almost became a prisoner of the construct of, of, of the image that was created, you know, for his persona in Wham. Yeah, and that, that, that never really sat with him. In fact, there's a lovely explanation of when George came out to Andrew in uh, the documentaries. Have a listen to that. One morning... The phone rang in my room and Yogg said to me, can you come over and have a chat? Nothing out of the ordinary as far as that goes. I walked around the swimming pool. He said to me, didn't know how to tell you this, but I'm gay. If not gay, you know, bisexual. And Andrew just, you know, accepted it because he's his best friend and he just wanted him to be happy. But the advice he and Shirley gave... Uh, immediately to George was to not tell his father and they were protecting their friend but George was ready at that moment but but he didn't on the advice of his friends yeah I think that you know again it's a very different time period than it is today and I think you know I don't think it was any I think George even says it wasn't about them trying to protect their career or or anything it was just you know knowing his dad and and sort of the reaction that might happen yeah Mm. Other little gems appear in there uh, and I loved getting uh, the glimpse of, you know, early demos of very popular songs. Always really interesting to hear, but to hear the original demo of Careless Whisper, which is still one of those tunes that has such an impact today and even my own kids would know that tune. Um, Let's have a listen to that. As I 
We finished it together, put together very slowly at home or on the bus, just add a little bit day by day. It's just amazing to hear that recorded in Andrew Ridgely's uh, front room on a four-track, you know, cassette uh, recorder. And it still has the essence of what we all have come to know Absolutely. and love. Yeah, I was surprised in hearing those original demos. I, I expected them to be much more crude and sort of like un, unrefined. Mm. And it was surprising to me to see how fully formed this vision for what the music and these songs would be even at you know such an early age with such primitive sort of tools at their disposal mm. uh, Chris thanks so much lovely to talk to you and keep up the great work alright thanks take care Chris bye bye Dermot and Dave weekdays from 9am today